Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Sorry, Google. Sorry, I got, I got the laughs all of a sudden. I just, you have to realize how much fun we have doing this. We so. have a lot of fun and we're enjoying these rocking chairs. We're yeah. uh, glad to be uh, back at it after, I don't know, three, three weeks, weeks, something like yeah, that, since weeks. we wrapped up our uh, stories from the wilderness series. I have not had the opportunity to write a new song. Um, to go go with our, our new series here, but I did get a fresh new haircut. You look good, actually. You, you look really good. And I have an unfresh haircut of no product, no spiky hair. Yeah. It's because you ran out of product, yes. not because you're you know lazy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we wrapped up uh, stories from the wilderness, where we looked at uh, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers, Deuteronomy, sort of the time that Israel spends in the wilderness, because we did that thinking, moving into this whole COVID-19 experience that is ongoing. We're there. Uh, it felt like a little bit of a wilderness time, so we spent some time with Israel in the wilderness. Now we're turning to the book of Acts. Why Acts, Pastor? Why Acts? Acts is this exciting book. I would say it's not exciting for the people experiencing Acts because they don't know what's going on, but Acts is the space. I imagine of, it was exciting. Yeah, 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 I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was. I, th I think challenging too, but yeah, exciting. Oh, no Acts, doubt. Acts is this, this place of newness in scripture where the gospels tell us this story of Jesus being born and his ministry and dying. Acts takes place right after Jesus is resurrected and then it's the story of the the Holy Spirit sending the church out into the world. Mm -hmm. And so I think what categorizes Acts is this space of newness and mm -hmm. new things happening. So uh, we've been talking and it keeps coming up as we dialogue with you as congregation members too, that the church is in a space of newness and we're in a space where it would do us well to intentionally listen and pay attention and just ponder what the Holy Spirit's doing now mm -hmm. in this world, in this new time and space and place yeah. um, of the, for the church. So that's why Acts. We think Acts offers some insight and some spiritual guidance for us in a time of uh, like this and Holy Spirit movement. Of newness. I mean, newness, and, and yeah. I, I just this moment realized that today is July 1st. Is that right. accurate? Yeah. Uh, so this today marks my one-year anniversary working for South Canyon oh, Lutheran Church. Man, um, but what triggered that was thinking about this conversation about newness and the church in a time where something new is required. We were having this discussion, you know, from the moment I came through the door. This wasn't something that yeah. you know started with coronavirus as we moved into this. Um, though I think it has certainly you know, accentuated and maybe accelerated <laughs> it in, in, in some ways, but this idea of the church being at a turning point yeah. and um, God being about to do something new, um, we've been talking about for, for a while now, and uh, yeah, and I think that the book of Acts will be a good guide for us. Um, before we dive in any deeper, will you start us with a prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Gracious God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, thank you for giving us promises to cling to, for giving us hope to rely on, for giving us faith. Uh, thank you for giving us this promise that you're with us in the future, Holy Spirit, that we're uh, being led and guided and even 
pushed and prodded sometimes, but that regardless, you are there doing things through us and in us and around us. Thank you for this time tonight. For those people watching and listening to uh, our exchange today, uh, may you open their hearts to hear your word and find uh, you uh, in, in this experience, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read verses 1 through 11, right, tonight? That's our plan. We're, we're going to do an intro through, here. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, yes, eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we'll be looking at, uh, at 1 through 11. So if you've got your Bibles with you. You can start opening them. 1 through 11. Um, but what do we need to know about the book of Acts before we kind of jump in? That's a good question. Um, recently, or at least when I grew up, you had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you had the rest of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Recently, we've been talking about um, Luke Acts as being connected because they're written by the same person, if you didn't know that. And some of you might. I know we just did Acts for our noon study, so a couple months ago. So this might be new to some of you. I think it was before Christmas, maybe, or in January. So some of this stuff is going to be new, but I bet we're going to cover some hopefully new territory. I'd like to think I'll bring something to the conversation. I bet you will. <laughs> <laughs> you never... Let me down. <laughs> Let's not go, go too far here. But uh, um, can we then, could we say that Acts is a sequel? Yeah. Book two, part two. Part, part two, Luke Acts. Yep, there, there's that. So we have that continuation of the author of Luke's gospel. How do we know? Story. How do we know that Luke Acts are connected? It's, it's, he, he actually says it in the beginning. He says, in the first book, I wrote about this. The second book, I say this, is kind of how it, how it begins. In fact, it literally says that. <laughs> in the first book, <laughs> yes. Uh, so if you look at the very beginning of, of Luke's gospel, you'll see Theophilus there. That's, Theophilus, uh, yes. Luke dedicates the first volume to Theophilus and likewise the second volume yep. to Theophilus. Theo meaning God, phylos meaning love, so lover of God. It could be a person. It could be a group of people we don't really know. Um, what time frame are we talking about? Where are we at in time? So if we're looking at Luke Acts as kind of one volume, um, we typically will date that between 80 and 90. Okay. You know, A80. Um, and we do that based upon the fact that we tend to date Mark as being the oldest of the Gospels, um, right around 70. Um, and we know that because Mark seems to talk about the destruction of Jerusalem, um, which took place in 70. And then we say Luke acts probably in the 80s because Luke seems to have access to Mark's yep. gospel. There's, there's overlap in the, the stories there um, that Matthew also shares. And so um, we assume that it's sometime written after there. So, you know, somewhere in the 80s and 90s yeah. maybe is a ballpark. Yeah, so we're talking 50 years after Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Right? Right. 40, 50-ish years after Jesus rose from the dead. Just, it's helpful, I think, as readers and studiers of the Bible to understand that, that time's passed and that people are starting to figure out that they need to write these things down mm -hmm. and that that becomes important to them to have yeah. a, some sort of longer-term Right. Testament, but I think it's also important to understand that I'm not sure they came to the table thinking they were writing holy scripture. Yeah. In that yeah. sense. Yeah. They were trying to tell this, their experience of Jesus as they had it. So this is this is 
what the author sees the Holy Spirit doing in the world um, in this beginning time as church starts to form corporately, mm-hmm. like become an institution, an organization, yeah. a group of people that are more than just hiding in fear. Now they have, they're starting to form some bigger purpose. Yeah. So, and what that looks like yeah. is this story. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know anything else we got to get at. Um, before I, I, I think it'll probably, we'll, we'll come around here. Um, except let me just say like, what are we, when we talk about the book of acts, like what is it in the way of a genre of literature? Like what is yeah. Luke writing right here? It's, I think it's partly history for sure. I mean, it tells all sorts of, of stories of things that happened. Yeah. Paul's missionary journeys are, are in the book of Acts. So we mm-hmm. see that. Um, we see theology happening. Mm-hmm. And when I say theology happening, I mean we see people trying to work out what all this means and how to understand God. So in that sense, it's not history as much as it is um, <clears throat> I don't know what you'd call that. Theology? <laughs> well, I mean, I think theology... Do we need a name for that? Well, I mean, theology is, is rooted in, in history. It, it yeah. comes out of, you know, context. And yeah. It's a process worked through by, by the community. So, um, I mean, yes, there's theology in there, and we're getting kind of the context and the history within which it develops. But when we talk about history, Luke is historian, as a historian... Is, is different than the way historians would function today, right? Yeah, sure, for sure. Um, <clears throat> well, tell us what you mean by that. Well, so I think when we think of history, when we think of like the textbooks and stuff that we go through, it's like recounting the facts. Right. Like, this is what happened. You know, if, if we're going to share a speech from a historical perspective, it is going to be verbatim, word for word. And yeah. so... History, I think, as we tend to try and function, is providing the facts. And that's not really the way that ancient historians functioned right. in the way of providing the facts. They somewhat unapologetically you know, had a, a certain agenda mm-hmm. um, in some cases, we could say. I mean, Luke isn't really... Luke isn't, is unapologetic for his Christian faith. Yeah. You know, and part of what he's doing here is he's sharing this good news um you know as an effort of evangelism like that he he believes i think in a sense that he is saving people by sharing the saving good news um that you know is experienced by the the church um and and so there's that that agenda there and i think that ancient historians consistent with that the concern was more getting the larger themes and conveying them in a, maybe a way that was compelling than getting all of the facts right. Sure, okay. And that's, I mean, hold on to that and remember that, that the, the theme's compelling than getting the specific facts right. So we'll be able to raise up some things as we talk uh, about maybe specific dates and places that don't quite, right. they're not, they don't quite add up in terms of it, a, a very, very specific historical Right. Fact. We we know like in the book of <laughs> Acts, the book of Acts recounts some exam- some stories of Paul's life that Paul also talks about in Paul's own letters, and they don't always line up. Presumably, Paul being the one that lived them, yeah. you know, is the more accurate account when it comes to yeah. his own own life. And so, why the discrepancy? I mean, it could be that 
Luke just had a lack in his information. It also could be in some cases that you know Luke's trying to make a different point. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I think that it's important to understand this, that you know, I, this doesn't make it untrue. Right. right. It doesn't mean that Luke is intentionally trying to deceive anyone, that it's that the book of Acts is somehow yeah. a lie. I mean, and this applies to a lot of our, our scriptures. Right. You know, it's it's that Luke's trying to get at the deeper truth that is deeper than yeah. the facts. Right? Yep, yep. Yeah, and that's a different way of understanding history mm -hmm. and truth. So Okay. So I think we've gotten let's get into we it. We can hold on let's... to all that stuff. Let's read. Let's read. Um, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to go to right now. So, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. <clears throat> and we'll stop there. So where do you want to start? Well, we... Sort of talked about the intro and the connection, yeah. and that section that we okay. read there, there's some overlap with the end of Luke's gospel. Yep. Um, so if you read Luke 24, you're going to see some of those same events accounted, um, like the yes. ascension. Uh, if you read it very closely, <coughs> you might notice some slight discrepancies, even okay. within Luke's own writing, um, which I think gets at that point of, you know, Luke's, Luke's trying to convey something deeper than the facts. Okay. The changes are, are intentional. But where I think we should really go is, is verse 8 there, just as a starting point. Okay, verse and 8. Verse 8, and I, and I say we should go there because I think that verse 8 really sort of offer, offers what ends up being a summary of the book of Acts. So, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of, of the earth. And that really is what we get in, in the book of Acts. Uh, the story the, of that. The story of that, yeah. The, the Spirit coming, filling these, these yeah. apostles, um, and then the Spirit leading them out as witnesses, starting in Jerusalem. So the first part of our book of Acts really is rooted in, in yep. Jerusalem. And then as we move forward, what we see is it going outward from Jerusalem. Uh, in all Judea and Samaria, 
and to the ends of, of the earth. Um, and so that verse, I think Luke is offering kind of his, he's signaling what's to come. Yeah. Know, what we're ultimately um, witnessing. And it's important that it's here and coming out of Jesus' lips. Yeah. It's saying what's happening because, you know, it's the connection. Remember, this is one, one work, two volumes, that they aren't separate things. Right. You know, Jesus is ongoing and part of this. Jesus' ministry continues in this movement um, outward with the Spirit to the ends of the earth. Yeah, and I would like to hold up or hold intention, however you want to say it, the fact that you have the disciples going out or the apostles going out as the sent ones. I mean, my, my actual title in my Bible says the acts of the apostles uh -huh. as if that's something they're doing on their own, right. kind of. And to hold up intention, the fact that you could just as easily title the book the acts of the Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> the acts of... Jesus living in the body of Christ, the church. I mean, you can yeah. entitle it all of those things. Right. So who, and really who, have is, that. who is this book about? Yeah. It, I mean, is it about the apostles? It, it's yes, but also the Holy <laughs> Spirit. Also, yeah. It, yeah. We need, you need to hold that up in tension as you read so that we can, we can lift up that this is always God's work. Mm -hmm. And this is, and we're going to make some connections about that later, I think, as we go through too. Yeah. As far as, um, well, we're going to make some connections we'll make some later connections, but... as we go through. This is, this book is about God and God's work yeah. through the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. Right. I think that the language that gets used here of, of witnesses yeah. kind of put things in there, puts things in their, their proper order. Yeah. Um, that, you know, it's easy to get, the stories are all about, you know, Peter and Paul and, and, and Philip, and they're the central human characters of, of the narrative. And so it's easy to focus on them. But ultimately, as we're told here, they're witnesses. And a witness is always pointing towards something else. Um, and as even just this one verse suggests, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. I would say that in that sense, the Holy Spirit is part of the pointing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And who are they pointing to? Um, I, I think that they're still pointing to Jesus. Uh, just like sure. Luke is pointing to Jesus, the book of Acts, the second part of this work, is continuing to point towards, towards Jesus. And that is the work of the apostles and the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. Yeah. You know, what? I, while you were talking, I was just thinking that what's really meaningful to me, just personally as a Christian, is the shift away from um, this being a, a, about the power that Paul has and Peter has and mm -hmm. these people have to the power that the Holy Spirit gives them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because the risk is, for me, is to say something like, wow, those were amazingly powerful people. Mm -hmm. Those were amazingly um, uh, gifted and strong followers of Jesus. Right. I wish I could be like Paul. I wish I could be like Peter. Right. And that sort of removes, removes me from, or doesn't allow me to think I have access to the same Holy Spirit that Paul had mm -hmm. and that Peter had and rather thinking for, for me, I wish I could be like Peter. I wonder what the Holy Spirit's gonna do through me. Mm -hmm. Look what the Holy Spirit did through Peter right. and Paul in this specific 
time. Yeah. I wonder what the Holy Spirit's going to do through me. Because when we and get it flips it. Yeah, and when we get fixated on the miraculous works or acts of faith or whatever that the apostles are are doing in Acts of the Apostles, um, you know, suddenly it's easy to start like striving or idealizing the works themselves yeah. as opposed to the spirit sure. um, right. that is behind them or the Christ that all of the works are, you know, witnessing to. Yeah, pointing you know, that's, that's the yeah. point. That's the point of, of the works um, in both the Gospels and here that, I mean, yeah, they're good in their own, own right and they help people and so on, but ultimately they're there to point people towards Christ. Yeah. Like, right. And, and even in Acts, we're going to see people get that mixed up. Uh -huh. Paul does some amazing things, and they immediately start worshiping him mm -hmm. for his acts. And, it, and he's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> <You're>, no! <laughs> and he's terrified. Yeah. Because, well, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think cool. keeping yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that right relationship, yep. um, you know, and particularly when we start applying it to ourselves. Yeah. Um, understanding, you know, what our role is. Uh, we are not the Savior. Um, we are not the spirit for for that matter even as we are in relationship with right with both Jesus and even as the spirit dwells within us um, Yeah, we are not one and the same, you know, which to me I think that that should also take a little bit of pressure off us, right? Right, right that it's not only We don't have to be Peter doing all of these yeah. miracles like, and if that's not where the Spirit is leading us, well, then that's not where we are called to be. That's not where we need to be. That's not where we're supposed to be. Right. And I wonder if we don't have a very um, limited view of, of what power is. Yeah. We think it's supposed mm -hmm. to look like this, and then we we think it's supposed to look like healing people right. who are blind. We think it's supposed to look like Paul praying over some handkerchiefs and then anyone that touches one is miraculously healed. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we always feel less than. Yeah. And I wonder if our view isn't limited. Right. And that we shouldn't start maybe letting it be more mysterious or open to, to naming the Holy Spirit's power as a whole bunch of different things because the text itself says you know, wait until you've received power from the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses. Yeah. It's like that power has a purpose. Mm -hmm. And when we're witnessing, we're filled with power, and that could take all sorts of different forms. And I don't know if I'm yeah, making sense, yeah. but... No, I mean, I think that that's a huge, you know, question. I mean, and power is the word that gets used here. I don't yeah, know a lot about the Greek there, yeah. um, but it is, you will receive... Power, but I don't think, particularly when we remember that this is part of a larger work that ends, you know, the first section with Jesus dying and, and rising, you know, that kind of reframes the way that we should understand power. The, the cross does that. Yeah. Um, you know, the power that is revealed in Christ on the cross is a different sort of power. And it's not really so much the power that, you know, we see sometimes in these miraculous works. I mean, hmm. Jesus did that stuff as well. Um, but there's a power in the cross that is a power of, of mercy and, yeah. and compassion and grace and, and forgiveness. Um, and that's a different sort of power. But sure. I think if, you know, the, the cross inverts that power. And so I think we probably should be applying some of that understanding that we gain from the cross when we think about the power that is coming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. And that might even be a power that we're skeptical of. Yeah. What do you mean, love my enemy? Mm -hmm. They hurt me. 
power says I get the power of the world says I get to hurt him back. Right. Retribution. Right. We even think of that in justice terms. They hurt me, I get to hurt them, and I'm right. Yeah. Um, and Jesus flips all that, and that's uh, something I think we're. I mean, we don't need to necessarily walk there right now, but I think that's something we're skeptical of, and we get to kind of. We're asked to think about it. I mean, it, we're sure. certainly skeptical of the cross, and you know, so, Paul tells us that we will be as much yeah. that it's you know, it, talk to, it's a stumbling block. The foolish, and the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the wise will be its yeah. foolishness to the wise. Um, you know, and, and it is. I mean, and I think that you're right that we're we're told as much that it's a hard thing to accept. It runs up against our typical way of understanding how power functions, and and maybe that's actually part of what the power of the Holy Holy Spirit gives us is to embrace and accept this totally flipped concept of of power and what it means to be powerful in the world. Hmm. Um, What else do you notice from this section here? So we've got this sort of summary from the uh, from verse eight, and that obviously led us in a in a range of different places. What else sticks right. out from you to you from Ways this eleven? Ways we've never expected. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was not all by the script, as it were. I was even struck speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. I mean, there's there's some there is some legitimate depth there when you start talking about what we we called the mystery of God mm -hmm. when we step away from trying to understand everything and get our get our hands and everything and control everything and understand it um, and I think that's part of what I notice again is <clears throat> I mean Jesus has been walking with these people for three years he dies he's dead for three days he rises they see him they spend some time with him and they're they're excited mm -hmm. I mean, the fear is gone, death is dead, whatever life rules, they are the followers of the most powerful person in the universe for all practical purposes in their mind. And they say, is this the time that you're gonna bring your kingdom in? And you can imagine them being like, yeah, yeah. it was all worth it. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus says, wait. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait? What do you mean wait? You said you can call armies down from heaven and here you are. What do you mean, wait? And he mm -hmm. says, wait. And, and I, I can't help but think how that must have sounded yeah. to them or maybe felt to them, mm -hmm. wait. What do you make of that? I, I think that we have a tendency and i'll speak very personally because i have it in in spades as they say to to get caught up and and carried away um with things and to you know lose sight of of some of the the, the bigger picture and i imagine that you know gone through the, that, that emotional roller coaster of grieving the death of jesus on the cross yeah then experiencing the resurrection. If we remember the resurrection accounts, there's a lot of skepticism and, and fear even that's part of the first responses. But you know, now we're, we're hanging around. It's 40 days between resurrection and, and Pentecost, and that's this period here. So I assume the fear kind of wore out. They were able to get through that in a sense and then started envisioning you know, what was to come. 
Um, and it probably did feel like pulling in the reins a, a little bit there. I do wonder, um, and one of the commentaries that I was reading sort of talked about that, that question that you raised up of, you know, is, is now the time that you will restore the kingdom of, of Israel? Um, and this author was suggesting, I was like, that idea, there, that question as it's framed there is still rooted in this idea of Jesus as the powerful king that will come with to restore the political yeah. independence of, of Jerusalem. Um, and at least this one commentator was saying, like, I don't, that doesn't make sense that Luke would still have the apostles at the, that place of flawed understanding of Jesus' ministry because we're told back at the end of Luke um, that, that he, their hearts and minds are being opened to the scripture. That's what happens in the okay. road to a man. Yes. Like, I mean, and so that seems like a very closed-minded, you know, yeah. type of understanding of what Jesus is doing there. And so at least this commentator, you know, was suggesting that that's not necessarily there as an expression of the mindset of what the apostles were actually thinking that Jesus was going to, um, to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm struck in terms of the... The, the waiting piece, um, and this is what we were talking about, you know, earlier, just, just the challenge of that. Whatever was going on in their, their heads, it was not a waiting time. Yeah. It, it was a, something new and crazy exciting is happening here. Jesus is talking about power. Jesus is talking about more exciting things happening. Yeah. They're probably more thinking, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get after that's it. That's not the situation in which I'm usually comfortable waiting. Yeah. I mean, there are fairly few situations where I'm overly comfortable waiting, but certainly not when I'm pumped and excited because I'm told that something incredible is about to happen. Right, right. Waiting is often termed as doing nothing. Yeah. You're in the waiting room. Are right. you going to take something long to do? Uh-huh. You got to go to the doctor. Are you going to, what are you going to do while you're there? You're going to, well, isn't waiting, waiting something? And I think waiting can actually be an action. Mm -hmm. And anyway, they're, they're kind of in that, that space. And I think maybe Jesus was inviting them to find some value in that, mm -hmm. maybe, which is, would, would lend some support to um, that question from the disciples. Is this the time? Yeah. And then he says, you have to wait. Um, and I, I wonder if that's not to let the, the pot stir or, or let the things that need to come up in their own lives come up mm -hmm. until they receive this Holy Spirit. Right. Like, like, I, like I don't know, the, the waiting piece, that's, that's maybe that, not quite right what I want to say, but... Well, I mean, I'm intrigued by, by the time piece yeah. as, as well. And, and that exchange stuck out to me the first time that I read it. Because, you know, they ask, is now the time? We don't ask about time in like a, a theoretical just because we're intrigued. If I'm asking what time it is, yeah. you know, it's, it's because I have some sort of action associated plan, with right. it. You know, I need to know what time it is because I got something else that I got to be to. We got to film and we got to be here. Right. Like that. So sure. time is almost always associated with some sort of action. I mean, and I think so when the disciples ask, is now the time, you know, they're asking the time for a particular action. And I think okay. that when Jesus then refuses to give them the time and rather says, the time isn't for you to know, yeah. um, you're not going to get the, the time. Um, there's Jesus, I think, is is pushing back against that tendency to want to know what are we supposed to do right now 
um, and then we can respond accordingly. Uh, and, and that's where the waiting sort of comes in. And yeah. it says, no, you don't, you don't need to know right now what you need to do. You need to trust that when it's time, you're going to know. I'm going to be there. The spirit is going to, to come. Yeah. And action's futile unless the Holy Spirit's behind you and with you. Well, maybe futile at best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of times, you know, our actions, when they're not at all aligned with the Spirit, are damaging and, and harmful. Yeah. I can't help but think of, um, yeah, just how our human minds sometimes doing what we want to do can, can limit the spirit or, right. or limit God's work until God's, the spirit's ready to do something. Then it can be bigger and better. Yeah. And so I kind of think, of, yeah. I, I kind of think towards that end when by Jesus sort of saying, yeah, no, you're, you're not going to have the time. There's an invitation to keep checking yeah. in, to, to be constantly attentive because we don't know exactly what's happening at the moment and so we have to keep looking out and paying attention to what the Spirit is doing yeah. at any given moment. And so there's an invitation there towards that attentiveness, towards that discernment of the Spirit, of, of what the Spirit is doing right here and now because we don't necessarily know exactly what, what time it is. Right, right. Um, and Wait. so we're pushed to pay attention to what's going on around us and to respond to that, not to our watches. Right, right. Watches, not to respond to our own ideas and even not to, uh, to for, for me to understand that waiting in this sense is trusting. Mm -hmm. Waiting is living in faith. I mean, that's a rhythm we have in our day all the time. We pray and then we wait. Mm -hmm. We ask and then we wait. We grieve and then we wait. We suffer and then we wait. I mean, we're doing it constantly. Yeah. And, and, and yet, also, we fight against it constantly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just to name the obvious reality of the church's present situation as we're sitting in the sanctuary waiting uh, waiting by ourselves yeah it's a waiting period where all of what have been at least our normal ways of doing things and being together are on hold right and we're not only that they're on hold in a way that we don't even know what they're going to look like when they're not on hold right we don't know when they won't be on hold we don't know what it's going to look like it's very much a waiting period yeah I would say. school we got our letters from our some beginning communications from school today and school's not coming back normal as it was before everything's changed and what that what that means mm -hmm. waiting I mean that's where we're at literally too in that space yeah um, to figure that out and the text lends me to think not just I mean for our current context and situation that waiting's actually okay mm -hmm. that that there's something about waiting that allows us rather than to like just jump into this action and start doing these things waiting allows us to focus on what like this like building relationships like even when i think about some of the things some of you as congregation members have mentioned to me about how your own faith life has grown or how your faith relationships grown with your spouse in this time mm -hmm. never would have happened if we wouldn't have been doing this. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's by no means to, to mean that God did this. Right. But it's a sense that in any given space, the Holy Spirit's present, drawing what can happen out. And if we don't stop to to just look around, to pay attention, yeah. we're gonna miss it or we're gonna not be able to point to Jesus and we're gonna think we did some amazing right. thing. That waiting is not, waiting doesn't mean nothing is being, yeah, being totally. done. Um, and particularly, you know, when we're waiting with that trust that God is doing something. And, and that's what the disciples are told in verse four, wait there for the promise yeah. of, of the Father. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Father is doing something there's some sort of plan that's, it's, it's not just empty waiting. Right. Um, it's not just a, a doing, doing nothing. There's something happening. Yeah. Um, it's just not maybe what we expected or we're used to right. happening you know, or, or how we would normally think of doing. Um, I, I, and, well, and it's not random in the sense of God's just sort of looking around going, well, this looks good. I mean, right. the Father promised some things. Uh-huh. And is going to make good on those promises one way or the other. Yeah. What that looks like, unclear. Right. But one right. way or the other, Jesus Christ is going to go out to all the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. Wait. We yeah. will empower you and you will do what you are uh, sent out to do. Yeah. That's liberating. Oh, right. good. Right. I just have to be me. Yeah. That, that when my, you know plans don't really work out you know that's not that's not the end all of things right. which goes back to some of our ideas of power and trying yeah. to be like peter and, and and so on that we talked about at the beginning but uh you know that's the book of acts we'll find that you know people's plans are constantly being upended yeah uh you know but how do they keep going forward you know and they they trust that that the yeah. spirit is, is leading, even if it's not going according to their plans, even as it's not working out how they expected to, even as things are sometimes moving slower right. than right. they hoped. Um, the arch, the narrative, this whole book tells us God is continuing to move yeah. forward. Well, and I like, I mean, as we you know, explore this, I just thought of, like God had to send two angels down in, in verse 11 to even get them uh, unstuck mm -hmm. and I and that, that's yeah that's not in the story but if you're as you're reading and following along with the text I mean look at the movement there Jesus ascends up into heaven and their their movement is like this they're standing there staring up into heaven and Jesus has just got done telling them that they for the rest of their lives for are going to be looking out in the world to witness to him and now they're stuck looking like this going what are we going to do or how amazing or how incredible or i'm so yeah. afraid whatever they're thinking right. we don't know but the angels just say why are you staring up where he yeah. was <laughs> right <clears throat> he's going to come back again you're in this meet in in between time now yeah in this meantime in this whatever yeah, and the angels, the angels sort of shake them up with that question of, you know, why, why do you stand why? looking up towards heaven? What are you, what are you doing here? Uh, I mean, and so there's, so there's a critique there, you know, it's, or uh, of some sorts, but I mean, there's the latter part of that is, is promise. Yeah. Um, and it points towards okay. that God's going to do what God's going to do. And in this case, um, this Jesus, this Jesus, 
the one who you've been hanging out with for the last 40 days, the one who you saw crucified and, and raised, um, this one that you just watched ascend into to heaven. And this is the only place where uh, the ascension has any sort of description um, to it uh, with clouds yeah, and right. whatnot. Uh, this same Jesus is the one that's going to to come back. And that's the promise piece there um, because it's coming back and bringing God's kingdom to fulfillment hmm. with that, that return. Yeah. And so they're offering that promise that it's going to be, even as they're saying, in the meantime, you got some stuff yeah. to do, so stop looking up. Yeah. I just thought of my question as you said that, like, why, why are you standing there looking up? Why am I standing there looking at the past? I mean, in some sense, that's, um, and, and I guess the context for that would be you hear as church leaders so often things like, oh, the church wasn't paying attention to the context and we've been kind mm -hmm. of forgetting to change with the times or we're forgetting yeah. to become relevant or right. we've, anyway, you've probably heard that kind of stuff, yeah. right? Context, and, relevant, yeah. you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And it's sort of, I mean, you can, you can live there in that moment and you can say, or... Like why are you, you can look back at the past and do that, or you can say, "Great, who cares? Mm -hmm. What's the Holy Spirit doing now? Yeah, what's happening right here in this space that all of that prior practice, all that prior experience informs, and mm -hmm. where are we going now? Why are you looking at the past? Yeah, the what past is in the past happen? and certainly informs the present. Yeah, totally. The future is in the promise. Yeah, and we live in the present. And we live there. Yeah, it's like why? But I think it's a sometimes a question of why am I doing that? And, you, and then you can start to go, fear, but God's present. Worry, but God's present. Grief, but God's present. Yeah. And you can start to kind of step back into that present moment. Yeah. Where Christ calls us to live. Yeah. Um, with him as the risen Lord of everything. Yeah. So one of the things that we talked about that we want to include as, as part of, of this series to keep our study of the founding of the church grounded in our reflections on the future of yeah. the church is, is to offer a question or, or questions um, to ponder, to discern, to help us pay attention in the waiting to what God is working, um, yeah. because waiting is not merely the the doing nothing. You know, God is certainly at work, and what we can do in waiting is pay attention and try and recognize what God is doing. Um, and so, we wanted, as part of uh, this series, to offer um, some questions to ponder to help us be be active in the midst of waiting of maybe discerning where God is, is leading. And so you just offered a question there. Of, that was the know, one I just all of a sudden thought of for myself and for the church, but yeah. you had offered one before. What was yeah. yours? Yeah, so how, how do you get stuck looking backwards or, or looking up or, I'm, I'm trying to rephrase what you yep. were, you no, were yeah. asking um, in a concise, concise like, ways. I, th I, th I think the question for me, why are you, for the disciples it was, why are you looking up there? Um, for, for me to rephrase it in just context is why am I looking back there where Jesus totally was, has been, mm -hmm. will doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I think there's that just simple fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. There's a simple fear of what if we don't do it right? Or mm -hmm. what if 
my leadership's ineffective or what if we don't what if we miss the the mission that God's calling us to do mm -hmm. or what if um, and, and I think that just that that's not necessarily a faithful response yeah a faithful response is to acknowledge that and then to go but but the Holy Spirit's with us right but I've been given power by the Holy Spirit in my own special way. You've been given power. You've been given some, something that is the witness to Jesus, and that's going to play out in the future through the will of God, not through the will of Pastor Chris or, or Pastor Eric. Right. And I think the other piece of that to me is I, I wonder... I, I wonder just the movement of our hearts and souls when when we're looking up like this we can't see anyone else around us yeah and yeah. and our, our our main gaze is just there and here and there's no acknowledgement that there's an emmanuel and, and a pastor eric and a pastor chris and a council and two thousand congregation members yeah. and and god working amidst us yeah. and that we're actually called to pay attention to that mm -hmm. none of us are alone in what we do mm -hmm. but we feel like it yeah yeah so I mean that that's for me I guess mm -hmm. how about for you I think the question that uh, I, I would lift up is what time is it what <laughs> what time is it and obviously not in terms of the uh, of, of the clock and you know I think Jesus resists or declines to give us a particular time but I interpret that to be an invitation to keep asking mm -hmm. actually um, and so when I say, what time is it? I mean, what do we see going on around us yeah. in the world, um, in our congregations, in our communities, in our country, to the ends of, of the, the earth? earth? What do we see happening around us? Um, and there's a second level then wherein we can ask, all right, so how is God involved in that? But I think it no. starts by noting what's going on, noting the time that we are living in. So what time is it? Is, nice. Is my question. Okay. For all of you. Maybe you can think of your own as we end here. Uh, ponder those. Um, where are we going to go from here? We'll keep reading. We'll keep reading. Uh, What's one, the plan? One formatting note. We want to try something different uh, next week. Um, throughout our Stories from the Wilderness uh, series, we try to get a little bit of engagement uh, through you know, comments and stuff on, on Facebook. And there's a little bit of a lag which made that challenging and didn't get a huge response. So we want to mix it up a little bit. We also had some tech issues, and so this is going to help us with that. Um, but moving forward, our plan is to go a little bit uh, Saturday Night Live-esque. Uh, and so we'll be streaming next Wednesday at 6 o'clock. But if you would like to come for the live recording, we will be doing that uh, at the church here. Um, and we'll be doing that physically distanced. So if you want to come, um, Bring a mask and uh, bring a, a chair because we may try and do it outside, outside. weather permitting. Um, and we'll do that. But we would love to have a little bit of a live audience and maybe have a little bit of engagement as, as part of that. Um, we'll be doing that at 5 o'clock next week. And then we'll be streaming uh, that recording live at uh, 6 o'clock. We're so. going to try to set it up in a way that's, that's useful and also re respectful of our...
our distancing practices and stuff. So if a hundred of you come, we'll, we'll probably cancel that we'll for cancel the week following. Yes. <laughs> we'll figure that out. But I'm not overly um, concerned about yeah, that. We're happening, not. But, but just tell you know, if you're interested, we're going to try that and see what happens. So yes. we look forward to it. Anyway. Yes. So I, I think that's what that's we it. have, and I'll uh, close this with a prayer okay. if that, that works. Uh, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for accompanying us on this journey, and more than accompanying, we thank you for uh, leading us. Um, we pray that as we study this book of Acts and look at the church's beginnings, uh, you would reveal to us um, the way that you are making into the future. Um, ask as we are in the midst of this time of difficult waiting that you would give us peace and help us to recognize that waiting is not doing nothing, but that you are very much present and at work with us. So help us to find peace in this moment of waiting and grant us discernment, wisdom, and vision as we look towards the future. Bless everyone who's tuned in in the day and week to come. Um, and may we gather together again to continue uh, exploring your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.